Okay. So, um, so thank you for all of your questions and observations. And yes, again, we have all the same question. Sort of. So firstly, um, for those of you that just arrived, this class, and missed the other ones, to summarize in two sentences, as you had asked, I would say that meditation is about learning to be present with whatever is there. And through that presence, the mind naturally begins to concentrate and deepen and focus and come to a place of stillness all by itself. So the goal of meditation, to get to this place of concentration and stillness, happens through being, allowing things to be, sinking deeper and deeper into this moment, whatever it looks like, with no wishes for it to be any different, no aversions to anything within it, to really fully accepting being present and sinking into this moment. The mind comes together into this present moment, unifies in this moment, concentrates, breaks through in this moment, starts to see things clearly in this moment, understand things in this moment, awaken in this moment. So the word Buddha, means the awakened one, to awake. He is woken up. Right? The mind, for the mind to awaken, the mind has to come together. The mind has to unify. It has to see itself clearly. Yeah, and in our scientific world, we always think we'll finally understand if we could see everything else clearly. In Buddhism, we say you'll understand when you can see the mind clearly. Because even in science, you're looking through that microscope and you're recording this data and you think you're being very objective, but you're experiencing that whole process through your consciousness, right? So all of our objective data is gathered through our subjective experiences. So we're always actually just in a subjective experience. As much as we like to be objective, we never truly are. So, where do I go from here? So, this last weekend, I was at a festival. And it was like a music, arts, and also ceremony festival. So, there was like a main stage with bands and things like this happening. And then there was vendors and... Um, and it was for families, so there was children and parents, people of all ages were there, and there's like a lake, you know, swimming, and people would tent. And then also there was a side section, which was a sweat lodge and a fire pit. And I've been to this festival before, and I went again this time, and I know the organizers and, you know, some of the people on staff and the inner circle, I guess you could say. And I went there this year, and I noticed that when I arrived, that the whole ceremonial area, there's nothing really going on. There was a, the frame of a sweat lodge that was used the day before, but nothing was there. There was no fire burning anymore. And back where the main stage was, there was a fire, 
And this fire was lit from the solstice. So when the solstice happened, they used a magnifying glass onto a cigar. And they lit the cigar with the magnifying glass from the solstice sun. And with the fire from that, then they lit the fire. So it was like a solar fire. And that fire burned for four days for the whole festival. So we went to this fire that was burning, and it wasn't that big. And we, a friend of mine this was transported on another cigar to the ceremonial area. And then we lit our own fire there. And um, there was three of us there that were fire keepers, I guess you could say. And all of us have experience tending ceremonial fires in different places. And, um, and we said, you know, this festival, it's, it's, there's a lot of movement. It's very busy. There's a lot of noise, a lot going on. So we really need to hold a yin energy, right? So it's very yang, yin and yang, right? So it's very yang, all this movement, all this loud kind of things happening. We need to hold a yin space. We need to create a space where people can come and sit and drop in and share and be with themselves and get grounded and to hold the ceremonial fire for people that really also just need some time to drop in with themselves. And so me and these three other fire tenders, we kind of split up the, the tending duties a little bit. And one of them was, you know, we made the fire eventually at like six and we were all hanging out there together. And then around eight, nine, 10 o'clock, one of them said, okay, how about I watch the fire till 12 and then you guys need to take over. And my friend said, okay, I'll do 12 to three. And then I was kind of left saying, I guess I do them three until whenever somebody wakes up and comes to help me again. So at around 2 a.m., I would say, I went back over and sat there with them. And it was really beautiful, and there were different people coming, and we were sharing and going around the circle, and people were saying you know, their name and where they are in life right now and what they're going through. And it was this really beautiful exchange, and some people said, I don't really want to share, but I have a song that I'd like to offer, right? And some people, you know, their share was more of something difficult that's happening. Some were sharing more like celebratory things that were happening. So it was this really beautiful opportunity for people just to share where they're at, who they are, what's going on, really openly, really just to be humans, equally kind of connected here. And throughout the night, people would come and go, and then there'd be different groups, and some groups, they weren't really interested to share as much as maybe get the attention on themselves, kind of more of like an ego-y, you know, I want to present something or teach the group something or talk about this thing over here, but not really drop in with themselves at all. And some people didn't want to drop in with themselves or be seen. They just wanted to sit back and listen and kind of just be present but not have to do anything. And I kind of was there for hours and hours and hours going through just these different cycles of different people and just holding space and sometimes asking people some questions and seeing if I could sometimes move the energy in a direction that felt more supportive to the group. And sometimes just kind of sit and watch the fire and let the scene play itself out until it shifted, which it always would. So I had time on my side, which I've learned from my meditations, is that if there's anything going on and you can't fix it, then just wait. And eventually those people will just get tired and leave anyway. So I did sit and I sat and I sat and I tended the fire and I brought wood and I made sure it was clean and nice. And, um, and then by the time it was morning, and I don't know what time that was, because I didn't have a watch, probably around five in the morning, I would say. Um, it was me and these two other men, and we had this really nice share going, and um, suddenly the first bird started singing, you know, in the forest, and we just stopped and listened to kind of the, you know, nature waking up and coming back, and 
eventually they left and so I was alone and I sat with the fire alone for the first time all night and it was really beautiful and I just felt really accomplished like I had sat all night with this fire and tended it and made sure it was going and it was really beautiful and so on this bench and I kind of lay back on this bench and I was looking at the sky and my mind was swirling and I kind of blinked and then I, I opened my eyes I looked and there was two people sitting next to me and I kind of looked up and the man looked down at me and he said it's okay you've only been snoring for about 15 minutes and I said oh gosh um, and I sat up and then we shared a bit and then you know the other fire tenders eventually came so I was relieved of my position I then jumped in the lake to start my day you know? and um, and there was, you know, this amazing, they had these amazing hot chocolates and coffees and things there, and everything's organic and delicious and amazing. And um, we were smoking this tobacco that someone had brought from Peru to share with the group, and just all these just really beautiful ceremonies, and, you know, all night long. And, um, and I got back, you know, Sunday night, completely, you know, wow, just wired and buzzing and exhausted, and I fell asleep in bed, right? And then I woke up Monday morning, and I'm supposed to go teach meditation at Blue Cross Blue Shields um, in Boston at the Prudential Center. That's one of my, my Monday morning gig. And I woke up and I just was so relaxed and so peaceful and so tired that I kind of felt, eh, I don't really want to do that today. But I, you know, have an agreement to do that. So I kind of slowly made my way to the car and I drove there and I ended up being a little bit late, like three minutes late. But I walked in and nobody showed up, or they were there because I didn't show up, they left. And, um, you know, I just kind of then went back home and I'd been going to the gym every day for the past month and a half, very on top of it, really pushing myself through. It's been great, strong, powerful, I feel great. And I was like, eh, I don't really feel like going to the gym today. It's the first day off I've give, taken in a month and a half since I began. And then, uh, you know, I taught meditation again last night, a little bit, went to bed, woke up, and I didn't really feel like doing anything today either. And I noticed that there's this interesting thing that happens, which to be normal functioning Seth Monk, I guess you could say, there was a quality of, of effort, a quality of force, a quality that I'm pushing myself to remain at a certain functioning level, to fulfill all the tasks that I have to do, to go and teach at all these places, to go to the gym, to do. So I'm kind of doing, 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 pushing, 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 going, going, going. A lot of people, they start their morning with a cup of coffee, same kind of thing, right? We artificially take it in to keep ourselves going. And after this festival, whether it was because we were just holding this beautiful yin space all night long, or because just something about the energies of it all, I'm not really sure what it could have been, but it could have been everything. Um, I feel just completely relaxed and happy and content. And also I see my normal functioning energy kind of asking me, so are you gonna step up and start going to the gym again and start pushing yourself and doing what you're doing? And I kind of feel, nah. Not really that interested. I feel pretty good. And then that part of me says, well, but this is like, you know, what you need to do to be successful. This is what success means. This is what it means to be a good person and do all these things right. You know, you need to push yourself a little bit. And I, you know, kind of thought, okay, maybe you're right. And I tried to go to the gym by our, at our apartment today, but there's a pool and I ended up just then lying next to the pool and taking a nap. 
woke up when I went into the gym just to see and I turned on the treadmill and just kind of walked slowly for 20 minutes and I thought yeah it's okay and then I'm here and I still feel very relaxed very kind of you know I don't even think that I'm tired I wouldn't even call it like a laziness it's just kind of like everything's okay it's great and I've been watching today and yesterday this this internal dilemma this conflict where I'm expecting myself to be a certain way. And I even think that I need to be that way for my life to work, for myself to function, for everything to get done. And I'm not doing that. And I'm kind of letting things slide. And it's okay. And I'm kind of realizing that it's okay. And I'm allowing what I would call parts of my identity to kind of slide off and realize, yeah, that's not me. It doesn't have to be me. I don't have to be like that. It's not the way that I have to do things. Tons of other ways. And this whole permission to give ourselves permission just to kind of be whoever the heck we feel like being, whenever we feel like being it, is, I think, super important. And I think, really, it's a, a hallmark of self-love. Because you're not kind of running to anybody else's tempo. You're not doing things because you think that's how you'll be loved or appreciated or recognized. You're not doing things out of fear of failure. Um, you're just kind of doing things because that's what feels like it's the next right natural thing to do and allowing that to kind of change with different conditions. And I think this could be said about these questions about what do I do if I'm angry or what do I do if things are coming up that I don't really want to come up or that don't feel like me. And I would say to you, first of all, give yourself permission, right? Give yourself permission to be whatever, whoever you are in that moment. And then there's then this quality of wisdom that comes in, right? So if I'm angry, yeah, I came into this room and there's all of these toys on the floor. And I think, hey, why are there toys on the floor? This is our meditation room. How inconsiderate, right? And I'm angry. I can be angry and have permission. Seth, you have permission to be angry. That's the feeling that came up. Be angry. Okay, I'm angry. Then the next question, well, what do you want to do with that anger? And this is where we have to use that wisdom. Because I could feel anger, and I can call the director of the school, and I could yell at them on the phone. Or I could sit here and be really grumpy and kind of make all of your meditation classes miserable. Or yell at the janitor, how could you not tell them? Or the program director, right? It could be somebody's fault. There's a fault somewhere. It must be, right? Someone's to blame. It's not my fault. Or I can look deeply at that anger and say, well, what is that anger really about? And that anger is about, I'm trying to create a nice space here. I'm doing a, a labor of love with this group. And I feel like I've been inconvenienced, like somebody didn't see me. Like I'm not being seen, like that's not fair. I'm not being seen. They, didn't, you know, they don't acknowledge what we're doing in here. And, oh, okay, I'm angry because I feel like I wasn't seen. Well, Seth, how do you want to be seen? Well, 
I can call them up and say, hey guys, just a reminder that we have meditation class in here. So it would be great for the group if, you know, the room could be cleared of all the toys before we sit to make our class work better. And now I'm showing myself to them. And they say, oh, okay, thank you, Seth. Like, we didn't even notice. There'll be no toys next time. Problem solved. A lot of us don't really know how to make that next step. We think that the anger, that the story that the anger is telling us is true. And this is an important discernment to make. Your anger is true. You are angry. That's a truth. You are angry. No denying it. I feel angry. Don't spiritually manipulate yourself out of that, thinking, well, I shouldn't be, or I practice, you know, breathing in, breathing out, you know. Don't try to kind of, you know, just be, it's fine, you're a person. I feel angry. Great. Why do you feel angry? Because they don't even care. No, that's the story. Why are you angry? Because I feel not seen. Okay, I feel not seen. That's why I'm angry. So what can I do? I can then communicate that. I can show myself. I can allow myself to be seen. So in relationships, or even in public, you see this driving in cars a lot, right? Should we all have the experiences of people, they honk their horns and they're shaking their fists out the window. And oftentimes you look at them and you're like, you have no idea what you're even getting upset about, you know? But I see, you know, in my relationship, this happens a lot that, you know, something comes up and you get angry and you want to blame the other person. And you have to kind of pull it back and say, well, what's really the point? Why am I really angry? And anger is a boundary setter. Anytime you're angry, it's because there's a boundary. You're trying to set a boundary. Anger, it's like a fire that comes up, that it wants action. It wants to break through something, to correct something, to change something, to protect yourself from something. A lot of us, we feel the anger and then we just react out of that anger. And when you react out of anger, it's just like a blowtorch. Just, just whoever's in the path gets burned. And really nothing gets resolved. But if you can look at what is the anger really saying? What's the point? What's my point? Taking it completely back onto yourself. What is it that I wanted that I didn't get? What do I want that I'm not getting? What's going on? And speaking that out, communicating that, finding a way to create that, finding the resolution. Because when you're angry, it's like if you had a baby and the baby starts crying, you're not going to say, oh, be quiet. You shouldn't be crying. Right? You'd see the baby crying and you'd say, what's wrong? Is it, are you hungry? Are you tired? Are you, is your diaper wet? What's going on? Why are you crying? What's happening? Right? So if you think about it in terms of taking care of a child, you would try to figure out what's going on, how to kind of ease the, the pain of this being. What's going on? What can I do to help it? What's the reasoning? But in ourselves, we never take that step to really look and ask why. We're too quick to just throw it out on others. And we think it'll make us feel better. It's this weird thing in psychology that we think we can get rid of our pain by giving it away. Yeah, that's why miserable people are miserable people. 
you try to give it away. You're angry, you try to give it away. You think blame and giving it away will make us feel better. Yeah? So, knowing that you are allowed to acknowledge yourself, but then also look closely at what is it, what is it about what's going on. So I guess the important lesson here is taking away judgments, right? So not judging how I'm doing, but simultaneously being responsible for ourselves and looking. So right now, personally, right, like I was saying, I feel very relaxed, if not kind of like sleepy after spending all night tending this fire, really beautiful, feel still really nice from it. But if I start neglecting myself after a couple days, if I, you know, I didn't go to the gym, if I don't go tomorrow, or the next day, or the next day, or the next day, and I still feel fine, I still feel happy, then great, it's fine. If, however, I notice that I'm starting to feel irritable, if I'm starting to feel depressed or heavy, then that's my responsibility to say, okay, Seth, you know, you're not processing your energy. You need to let your physical energy out to balance yourself out emotionally. Yeah, and you have to kind of be your, your own thermometer, as it were. You have to be your own thermometer. You have to be taking the pulse. You have to see, like, how am I doing? What do I need? Where am I at? What's going on? And you have to find a way to also then bridge that out to the world in a skillful way. So this process of understanding, this is actually the, the prelude to meditation, if you will. Yeah, that really understanding how to live more harmoniously within yourself and in the world. Yeah, creating just more of, a, of an open, flowy, you know, gentle or kinder space within you and around you. Yeah, that's prepping the ground, right? If we're talking about like a garden, that's like preparing the soil, right? Because then when you sit to meditate, you plant that seed, you have nice soil and that plant can, can more quickly and easily grow. If you're angry and you're full of conflict and you're full of worries and you've been pushing yourself all day, so when you sit down to meditate, you start falling asleep, your mind is not in the place to really drop in. It's like you haven't done the groundwork. So you're going to sit here, you're not going to get the results, and you'll probably give up. So the teachings of the Buddha, he says, sila samadhi panya. Sila, it's kind of these... It's virtuous behavior, but it's living your life in a way that you feel harmonious, that you feel good about yourself. Yeah, that you feel good in your own skin. I did a good job. I feel good. I'm doing the right thing. I've set myself on a good path, working on it. Yeah, then comes samadhi. Because you feel good, samadhi, it's the meditation. It's the absorption of the mind. The mind drops in. It starts to get peaceful. It starts to concentrate. And then panya, which is the last step, that's the wisdom. Right? So the times that my mind personally has dropped in the deepest, there's just immense downloads of information about the workings of consciousness, about reality. All these things that I have always identified myself as, all these things that have always been present in my reality, suddenly fall away. And, uh, oh, wow, okay, that's not, that's not real. That's just a a temporary thing, a condition, it can leave. Yeah, so, I mean, imagine if you were a baby and you, you know, somebody strapped a third arm to the side of your body. And so your whole life you had these two arms and you had this like weird third arm sticking out and you'd think that that third arm was a part of you, that was just part of your body. And then one day, 
you know, when you're a bit older, somebody comes along, they're like, what is that? They're like, that's my arm. Like, what do you mean? And they reach in, they, and it was like a suction cup, and they pull it off. Right? And suddenly it's gone. Oh my God. This thing that I thought was me, it's not me. You know, it's wow. And this is what starts to happen in the deeper meditations is that suddenly the thoughts, they're gone. Okay, that stuff's not me. Yeah, suddenly your willpower starts to fade away. Suddenly the mind starts to drop into a space that it unifies. Oh, okay, so my whole experience in this world of duality, duality is actually not real either. Duality is just this creation because the mind separates itself between inside and outside. And through this process of the mind collecting, coming together, all the things that are not you start dropping away. All things that don't belong start dropping away. And eventually the mind really just unifies and comes together and drops in and becomes very clear, very potent, very strong. Yeah, and a lot of things start to make sense. While I was sitting around the ceremonial fire, tending it, I was just staring at it. And just noticing all of these things, you know, you notice how fire, it's burning, right? It's consuming things. It's this constant process of consumption, but thereby it's also producing light and heat. That this material, it's getting transferred into heat. And that all these logs have to be together to keep the heat. If you remove the logs, then they get cold. You have to put them together to keep it warm. Right? Just like the group of people that are sitting here together. Right? We sit together, we create this community, we create a collective meditation energy in this room. Right? But then when you send us all off, and I said, everyone go off and sit in the, somewhere else in the school and meditate, you'll come back and you'll say, that was like the worst meditation I've had here. You didn't have like, the group energy kind of keeping you warm, keeping you on track. Right? And as the smoke of the fire blows around, it goes in someone's eyes over here, and then it goes in someone's eyes over there, and it's like, yeah, it's kind of like life. Right? That there is the shit of life that's always blowing around and some days you get it in the face and some days your neighbor gets it, but someone's always getting it. Yeah. And the more that I just sat and looked at the fire, the more information I just started getting. Just by staring, by allowing my mind to collect, to concentrate on the sacred fire, by just watching it and holding space, I just started learning. And all night long, I was just sitting there learning by watching the fire. If you feed the fire, the fire feeds you. When you respect the fire, the fire respects you. Yeah, all of these things started coming through. What is fire? It's actually sunlight that's been trapped in the trees, right? Think about it. Sunlight comes down and makes the trees. When you burn the wood, that light, that energy, that's from the sun. It's releasing trapped sunlight, actually. That's the warmth that's coming through. Yeah, that the more that I sat with this fire, the more I started understanding everything because it's all in there. You take any one thing, you look at it deep enough, you'll see the universe. It's all connected. And this is again about the mind. When the mind concentrates around something, when you can collect the mind around something and just rest it, leave it there, you start to gain wisdom, you start to understand. And this is what the Buddha did on that fateful night when he reached his enlightenment. Is he really was able to sit with his mind and go deep and deep and deep and things just started to make sense. He started to see things clearly. And the more things he started seeing clearly, the more things opened up. The more things opened up, the more the mind was able to fill that space and be present and concentrate. And then he could be even more powerful and see even more things. And this process that we're doing here is nothing different than what the Buddha did. Yeah, he probably did more of it. Right? 
Yeah, you have to sit a lot and you have to walk a lot and you have to reflect a lot. Yeah, if you come in here once a week and you sit for a couple minutes and then you go home and you know, yell at people and go off heedlessly, kill ants or whatever you do. I don't know <laughs> what other people do. Um, yeah, but if you go off into your lives and you live in a way that's not mindful, that's not aware, that's not you know, virtuous in that sense, um, for yourself, you know what virtuous means if you ask yourself honestly. Yeah, you'll just keep coming back here, and again, it's like you're starting from scratch every time. Yeah, the Buddha actually, in a fire analogy, said it's like if you're rubbing two sticks together to make a fire, and every time it gets warm, you stop. Then the fire gets cold again, and then you try it again, and it gets warm, and then you stop. You'll never get the fire, because you're stopping every time. Right? When you're trying to boil water, you turn up the heat, and the water is getting there, and you see those little tiny bubbles forming, and the water's just on the brink of boiling, then you turn off the heat. Then the water gets cold, then you turn it back on, you wait again. It'll take forever. Right? And this practice is the same way. It's really up to you. The amount that you practice, the amount that you put in, you keep the water warm, or you can bring the water to a boil. And if you're just dabbling, getting a little bit here, a little bit there, you'll make the experience of, oh, this is what it feels like when the mind is a little bit more peaceful. This is what it feels like when the mind is a little bit more relaxed. Yeah, oh, this is insight. Oh, this is understanding. Oh, this stuff makes sense. Yeah, oh, as Seth is speaking, my heart is ringing with truth. Oh, that, that's what truth feels like. That's, oh, okay. That you're making these little experiences, but then you go off and you kind of just forget it. And then you come back, oh, and you remember, and you go off and you forget. Yeah, and then you come here and you ask me, why in my meditation does my mind keep going off and coming back and going off and coming back? And I'd say, because that's what you do, is that you bring your mind here to meditate, and then you go off and you forget. And then you come back into this room and you go off, you're creating that habit in your life of being here and the not being here. So when you sit to meditate, your mind just keeps playing that same scenario. It'll be with the breath and it'll be off in thoughts. It'll be with the breath and it'll be off in thoughts. One of the really famous meditation teachers of the last century, he was actually a farmer for a while. He wanted to be a monk, but he was a farmer. And um, finally, you know, and he was older by this time. He eventually ordained as a monk. This is in Thailand or in Burma. And he, within like a year, then came forward and he claimed enlightenment. And all of the other monks said, that's preposterous. You've only been a monk for a year. How do you think you have enlightenment? We've been meditating for 20 years and we don't have it yet. You've just started practicing. It's not possible. And the farmer said, well, actually, you know, for the last 10 years, as I was plowing my fields, I would have my hand on the yoke of the oxen as they were walking. And I put my entire focus just on the feeling of my hand on the yoke all day long as I was walking. And for the past 10 years, I had been building up my ability to focus and concentrate and be present. So that eventually when I sat down to meditate and actually engage in the practice, I could shoot right in, right? So he was keeping the water warm, right? He was keeping his mindfulness up all day long so that when he really sat down and got into it, it just exploded. And at hearing this, all of the other monks then kind of begrudgingly had to accept, okay, maybe he, he could have done it. And that's a really important lesson, and it's also just important that 
you really make your own experience your own guide. Yeah, if something's not working for you, change it. Um, we're here to become more peaceful. We're here to become more relaxed. Right? We're here to find peace. So if there's any part of this that's making you less peaceful, then toss it away. Yeah, so really at the end of the day, I'm sitting here, I'm talking to you, I'm right, leading you, guiding you into the meditation. But also then the last little piece of that is you have to look for yourself. Is this working? It's like the whole anger thing, right? You have to really look for yourself. Is this working? Is this not working? What is wisdom? What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? How to kind of get to that place where there's release, resolve, resolution. Yeah, because that's what we want. We want the release at the end. So with that, we're going to begin our practice for today. And we'll do about 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes of sitting meditation, a short walking meditation, and then a final sit. Um, again, chairs are available for people that need them. And again, meditation is always to be found at the very heart of this moment. So if you ever find yourself looking somewhere else for the meditation, if you ever find yourself looking somewhere else for the peace while you're sitting, yeah, just know it's always right here. Yeah. You're looking for the horse, but you're sitting on the horse. So just look right here. <laughs> 